Welcome to the His Call Technology Podcast, where we are communicating tomorrow's business needs today. From just outside Nashville, Tennessee, join His Call as we discuss all things telephony, data, and infrastructure related to business leaders. Here we go. On today's episode, we will discuss the Internet of Things, IoT. I'm your host, Chuck. I heard today's guest present last October on digital transformation and its relationship with IoT, artificial intelligence, and blockchain. He can get into the ones and zeros of a technology, but he has a unique way of delivering that puts the technology in context and relates it to business outcomes. As I prepared for today's episode, I read a tweet that said, when Greg Dixon speaks, I listen. I think my best approach today may be to sit on my hands and just listen. Our guest is Greg Dixon. He's Chief Technology Officer at ScanSource. Welcome to the His Call Technology Podcast. Thank you, Chuck. So glad to be here. I'm very glad you're here. I'm honored that you came in today and have spent some time with us talking about digital transformation and IoT, um, AI, and how that relates to our business. But before we jump into that, let's talk a little bit about ScanSource. There will be people listening here not familiar with ScanSource and our relationship Good. So ScanSource, traditionally, we would be called a distributor. In our technology supply chain, that puts us in between the manufacturer and then the reseller group, which is where you are. And so our job is to represent your interests back at these big manufacturers, but also to provide you with resources that help you be a better you. And so we are your warehouse. Um, You don't need to warehouse the product. We do that for you. have a big warehouse in uh, Mississippi. We provide really good technical support. If you need to call, instead of calling the manufacturer and who am I, and and it helps you to be able to have someone you can talk to, someone technical. Our salespeople know what your business is, so we're very intimate. We know who you are, how you do business. So we're your warehouse. We're your tech support. We're your sales team. Um, We're also your bank at some point, so we, we provide some financial resources that help, uh, you know, give you credit terms that allow you to, to, to make money. And so these are sort of some of the basic functions of what a distributor does. We're kind of that, that middleman, but we're a whole lot more than that is that we bring all sorts of services to bear. So if you guys have some service that you need that helps round out your solution, our job is not to get in your way. Our job is to, is to give you services, resources, access to things that help you round out a solution and really you to be a better company to uh, supply the needs of, of your end customer. So we're a support mechanism for his call. You mentioned having an intimate relationship with his call and we leverage you guys for all the things that you that you mentioned. Uh, the technical support, even professional services, uh, all are really important parts of our business. And you guys do a great job. You were recently named the Distributor of the Year for the third year in a row by Channelnomics. So you're doing doing some things right. Greg, you've been evangelizing Internet of Things, IoT, for five years five or so. Years. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> what prompted you to get into that? Well, my job at ScanSource is to always be attentive to what's next. There's always something that we have to pay attention to. Technology, as we all know, will pass you by. If all you do is stand still, uh, it will pass you right by. So I kind of watch out for what's next. What are the things that, that might make sense for our channel? Again, for our resellers to participate in. And so I've watched IoT as a thing for five or six years. I've made a speech on stage, I know I don't care to know how many times, about IoT just so that people will kind of begin to understand it. Well, it's really becoming very, very near term to us. And so it's it's becoming real. We're starting to see IoT solutions in our marketplaces that start to make sense. And for years, 
I watched it, it was just in the in the big industry. It was in the big uh, enterprise levels, and it was really not a thing for our channel to participate in. But boy, as technology will happen, it's evolved, it's become simpler, it's become more uh, relatable. And as end customers, um, even consumer level people have begun to use the Internet of Things, not really knowing that that's what they were doing. But by having a smart car, or smart home, uh, those sorts of things have made people much more comfortable with what the Internet of Things is really all about. Then it helps to promote IoT into uh, business settings. And so that's where we are today. We're starting to see IoT solutions in business in a much more practical way, but it's something that had to evolve over a few years. I read an article that you wrote. It said the Internet of Things is not the next big thing. It's the thing. And I guess we're still on this trajectory of climbing up. I, I see predictions, estimates that there will be 20 billion, 50 billion IoT devices by 2020 or something. Yeah, and so in its early stages, IoT needed to be quantified, and a lot of people have done those kinds of things, and it's billions of this and trillions of that. And yet, listen, really, really lots of opportunity. But those things have to become real in quantities and terms that we can understand in everyday life. And it's just now, we're just now getting there. What, what we begin to see happen here is instead of there being an internet of things and you go, well, wow, what are things and why are things on the internet and what are those things? I think where we're headed is that IoT, instead of being the next big thing, it's going to become, it is becoming a natural everyday part of our life experience. Instead of being the next big iteration of the internet, it's just becoming part of the internet. It's becoming absorbed into that. And so <clears throat> at first we began to say, well, what are some things on the internet of things? Give me an example. I like to start it by saying, well, we start by making a dumb thing smart. And a dumb thing might be a refrigerator. <clears throat> well, the refrigerator made at home, maybe, but probably a refrigerator that's in a restaurant maybe a freezer that's in a restaurant. And it's just a machine that keeps things cold or frozen. But by applying a little bit of technology to that dumb thing, we're able to make it smart, put it on the internet, and now protect customers in a restaurant from getting food that's been spoiled somehow. And we're able to protect the safety and security of the public by doing just a tiny little thing by making this dumb thing smart. And so as people begin to realize, hey, that's practical, that's fairly easy, it's not a science project or brain, it's not brain surgery, it's something that's fairly easy to do, we see a really good outcome from it. And so now we begin to go, oh, wow, if you can do that, why can't you do this? And so as we begin, to, we're, that's where we are right now. We're starting to get this momentum that regular people like you and I <clears throat> are able to see real life business outcomes from these small little changes that we can make by making a dumb thing smart or making a smart thing smarter, that it helps our life, it helps our business, helps our outcome. And uh, so it is the next thing. It's just, it's part and parcel of where we're going. If we make dumb things smart, how does it become different? How does the internet of today differ from the internet of things where we're making a dumb thing smart? If we make it smart, doesn't it just become like my smartphone or my PC? Certainly does. And so there was a time when your telephone, when your cell phone was dumb and all it could do was make a phone call. <clears throat> and then they thought, wow, what if we could send little text messages? And so you can see how this thing works. You start to add a little technology on top of it. Then it became, wow, what if we could do a little bit of video? I wonder. And suddenly the, you put an apps on the phone and suddenly a dumb phone is a smartphone. 
And so that same sort of evolution that you see right there is a really great example that we all get and we all understand. Is it how that evolution from a dumb dumb phone to a smartphone became? Why couldn't a dumb refrigerator? Why couldn't a dumb car become a smart car? There's one that everybody's starting to get. And so if I'm going to make my car smart, I have to make it connected. And that's the big issue here, is that I'm, I take that dumb thing, but if it's going to be smart, it has to be able to communicate with it. And I have to communicate with it. And so as we do that, we have to make it connected. And so the connectivity part of IoT is the part that's really coming of age. And here's why. is because there was a time when the internet was less trustworthy, less bandwidth. It was slow. You say, well, if we put a whole new billion devices on there, we're going to slow the thing down. So what we had to do was allow the internet to grow up some. That's what's happened. The internet's grown up some now so that it's more ubiquitous, more reliable, it's faster, better bandwidth, it's a better result. And so now we can start to put more and more and more bits of communication because these smart devices we're communicating with, now they're on the internet. And so the internet had to grow up so that we could put all of these newly connected devices on it to communicate with. And so the internet's growth had a huge impact on this. Another thing that's about to happen, that's happening as we speak, is cellular communication. If you think about internet connectivity through Wi-Fi or through a cable out to the internet through a, through a wired connection, but then your cell phone, your smartphone, it's connected a lot of the times through a cellular connection. 4G, the fourth generation of cellular connectivity right now, but we're about to evolve into 5G. And what 5G promises to do is to give us, by order of magnitude, more bandwidth, more capability. And as we do that, then more and more things can be connected outside the building, outside in the world, out someplace where a cellular connection is the only way to, only way to do that. And so as we keep advancing our connectivity platforms, internet, cellular, and so forth, then the IoT now has a whole new wide highway to drive on. It's interesting. It's fascinating, really. So when we look at these things, what are they, really? Could be anything, right? I've heard you say the Internet of Things is the Internet of everything. It is. Right. And so some, some, listen, when I say everything, I literally mean it could be just about anything. So anything that you can collect data from and benefit from that data could be a thing on the Internet of Things. And so I like to talk about some of the ones that are much more practical, really, really practical down to earth. And so I mentioned freezers and refrigerators. And so mm -hmm. a lot of attention these days over the farm to market travel and how product gets to our dinner table, to our restaurant table, to our grocery store. And then you get these big, um, you know, scares where people get sick at a restaurant or they come down with some, you know, E. coli something or other that they've gotten from someplace. And so with all of that crazy attention that goes on there, then this whole cold chain management has become a really interesting and practical way to explain Internet of Things because you can track the vegetables as they're picked and put into a tote. And that tote can have sensors that determine all sorts of things about those vegetables when they were just picked, how they got on the truck, how they got put in a box, how they got transported across the country someplace, what its life cycle was every step along the way there. And so we can tell temperature and humidity and all sorts of things about that thing. And so just being able to track that cold chain the sort of refrigerated chain of a product that needs to stay at a certain temperature in order to get to where it's going to go successfully. You know, we don't have a garden in the backyard much anymore. It has to come from someplace else. And so we have to trust this cold chain. So being able to explain how we sense 
the condition of the vegetables, we'll say, as they move through the cold chain. It might be beef or pork or it could be anything that comes through our sort of food supply. And so finally, at the very end of the cold chain is a refrigerator or a freezer. And so when it reaches that end, if it successfully made it along the way and we were able to monitor its health and safety all along the way and we're satisfied that it's pure, that it's consumable, then it goes into a refrigerator. And the last thing we want to have happen is for the refrigerator mechanics, which is a fairly old technology refrigeration, to fail us. And there are new laws that say if a refrigerator gets above a certain degree for so long, you have to throw everything out. You can't save anything because it affects people's health and safety. And so that refrigerator with a very simple little sensor inside that communicates ultimately through your Wi-Fi network and out to the Internet can allow our chain of restaurants to manage and monitor remotely. Remote manage and monitor. That's a really interesting common technology in the IT world today. But instead of remotely monitoring managing servers and PCs, you're remotely manage, managing and monitoring refrigerators. And so there's a good example. It's not a smart thing like a computer. It's a dumb thing. It's a refrigerator. But I can know if any refrigerator is having a difficulty, I can find out in time to do something about it before I lose my product or food and certainly before I make anybody sick. And so I use that example. I've made a dumb thing smart. A dumb thing might be a tote that holds the, the vegetables. It might be a crate that holds a lot of totes. It might be a truck that refrigerates them and takes them from point A to point B. It might be uh, in and out of a distribution facility and all of it goes on in there. And then finally it gets to my restaurant or my grocery store comes into my cooler system, my freezer system, and I'm able to manage it right up to the point where the consumer is going to now consume the product and be able to do so safely. And so all the steps along the way, those are really good examples of making dumb things smart so that now I can manage and better have the security and safety of my customer. And how are we making that dumb thing smart, that tote? How am I making that smart? A little device called, we'll call it a sensor, okay? Sensor is kind of a generic term that it's a little device, probably no bigger than a box of matches. It has a battery in it, and it has a little bit of circuitry and some little open ports that allow it to sense temperature. So think about a, a thermometer, right? Mm -hmm. It senses temperature, right? And so you can sense the temperature. You can sense the humidity. You can sense movement. You can consider G-forces dropped. Was it dropped? And so with all of these various sensors, you can sense the condition of the environment that's important to you. So if it's vegetables, probably uh, humidity and temperature, the only ones that you would be interested in. But if you were transporting a, um, a piece of medical equipment across the country from where it's coming in at a port, transport it to a, all the way to a hospital, you're going to want to know, was this thing, was this highly calibrated thing ever dropped? And which side was it dropped on? And how many mm. G-forces did it undergo when it was dropped? Mm. So that when it gets to the hospital and you turn it on and it seems to work, you have a warning way ahead of time that says, wait a minute, this thing was dropped. It's going to need to be recalibrated. You need to rethink this before you um, put some patient's health care at risk here for this thing. And so that sensor can be any number of things in terms of complexity. And of course, the more complex, the more costly it is. Now, these aren't really costly devices. I'm talking $20, $25, $15 or $20 kinds of little circuits here. They're very inexpensive, but they have a battery in them. Battery didn't last forever. Call it a three to five year battery. So you have some maintenance that has to go on here. You can't just leave it out there forever. 
but you have these higher end sensors, but then at the very low end, a little thing we'll call a beacon. And a beacon does nothing more than just broadcast using a Bluetooth kind of a circuit. It broadcasts a unique number. And so it just sits there, I'm number 721, I'm number 721. And so you put number 721 in a specific location, record the fact that 721 is in that location, and now a person walks up with their smartphone and it hears this Bluetooth beacon send, I'm 721, then the app on that person's phone can send it to the cloud and come back. And that now the owner of that beacon knows that a certain customer is send, standing in a certain spot in a store, and it knows how to now communicate with that person, perhaps about an advertising, maybe a, a coupon, maybe about what it is, where it is they need to go next in the store. And so that little beacon is a very simple little few dollars that gives a retailer the ability to communicate really brilliantly with their customers, know who's there, know what it is that they want, and know how to guide them in their, in their shopping experience. So sensors and beacons is pretty much the short answer to a question there. Thank you very much. So where, where do you see the largest adoption rate? Is it in agriculture and healthcare, you think? or So it's hard to say largest at this point. I could, I could identify the sort of vertical market scenarios that are most um, attuned to and and benefiting from, or at least beginning to benefit from, uh, the Internet of Things. And so retail probably is the biggest. It has the most to gain. Okay. And it's because consumers, people who buy things in a store, have a smartphone. And there, there are various demographics that would tell you X percent of the people in your community have a smartphone. Well, from that information, I can learn all sorts of things and I can better communicate my store's product or my store's desires to a, to a given customer. And so retail space, all sorts of applications and opportunities, and take that one step further from retail that says, okay, retail stores have coolers and refrigerators. We, we went all through that one a minute ago, and we understand right. the benefits there, perhaps, especially if you have foods that might be that might be perishable. And so retail is is huge right now. Another really big one is healthcare, and it's because <clears throat> healthcare, we all know the, the cost of healthcare, the cost of insurance for healthcare just keep going up and up and up and up. And so, so what IoT could do, can do for healthcare is it's never going to make a $100 bill into a $50 bill. It's, gonna, it's not going to make that much difference. But what it can do is begin to make hospitals more efficient, maybe less risky, more compliant. Those are all business outcomes. And so a business outcome is something where a business need can affect what their, their ultimate outcome is. And IoT is a good way to do that. They've done all the big things. They've done the big things to make sure that patients have good care. They've taken care of all of those things. Those are solved problems. But now we're down to the fact that what could I learn, what could I know about patient care if I had the data not just from my hospital, but from a hundred other, a thousand other hospitals? What does every, my competitive hospitals, what do they know about patient care? What if we could combine all of that data into one big database, so to speak, one big data database, and then analyze it in a way that would benefit a, a given hospital, especially a small rural hospital, someplace that doesn't have a lot of resources, a lot of time and effort, and a lot of data. Instead, they could now provide better patient care for their small population of patients based on what we've learned from 10,000 hospitals. And so you say, well, how does that affect? Here's what it is. It's the Internet of Things 
that collected all of that data across all of those operations and all those hospitals and brought them in and made it possible now for a small hospital to give really, really first-class patient care and have their local community not afraid to go to the local hospital because they have the resources now of a, of a really big hospital system. That's what IoT is. It's all about collecting not a few bits of data and making a little bit of a change, but collecting millions of data points mm -hmm. and then bringing all that back in and analyzing it and learning from that so that everybody benefits equally. Let's say I'm an executive at the hospital or I'm an executive in a retail uh, situation. When I consider the large number of devices, all the data, how do I approach the business driver or the need for an IoT solution? Well, some of them you might just hear about because other people talk about it, report on it, advertise it. You know, there are easy ways to learn things. But for the most part, what any smart business person is doing, whether they run a hospital or whether they run a steel mill or anything in between, is that they're considering, you know, people don't really want to buy technology. What they want from their technology providers is a business outcome. They, they just say, look, I want to be more efficient in my manufacturing process. I want to generate less waste. I want to be more compliant. I want to be less risky. I want to be more profitable. Those are all business outcomes. And so any smart businessman, whether he's making steel or providing patient care, they have a business outcome that they can identify for their particular business model. And then they want a technology provider to solve for that. And so many times, that's what a solution like an Internet of Things solution can do. Because they've done all the big things to keep their patients safe, to make their steel products better. But you come down now to that long tail that where they're just, instead of, instead of solving a problem, instead of making $10,000 one time, you make $1 10,000 times. And so by doing that, you by solving all those tiny little problems many, many times over, you're able to get a business outcome that can help you save a life, make a little more profit, keep your business profitable, or maybe keep your employees just a little safer. So there are all sorts of business outcomes. And you may say, well, that's only 1%. That 1% may be one person's life. And so what would you do to save one person's life? Well, it's a whole different question at that point. So business outcome is how you sell IoT solutions. You don't, uh, you don't say, well, here's my IoT solution. I hope it works for you. Right. Instead, we set all that aside. We have a conversation about what your business is like and what are the outcomes that you desire. Do you have a compliance issue? Do you have a risk issue? Do you have a, a, a waste issue, uh, an efficiency issue? And those are just a few. There are probably hundreds of different kinds of outcomes. And once you, get a, once you begin to think those thoughts, okay, here's what business outcome looks like. Oh, here's what my business outcome looks like. And now the end customer can clearly identify that. Then you go back and you pull your team together and say, here's our target. Our target is for this steel mill to be less risky. Our target here for this hospital is to know where their expensive medical equipment is at any moment in time. So there's our target. Now, what can we do about it? Build your solution toward that. And so that's a lot what ScanSource does. Our job is so that instead of having to invent all those things, we kind of have thought those things through and said, look, in the medical industry, here are the kinds of things they tend to want. So here's a solution that's ready to go. Here's the software, the hardware, the network, and the services all packaged up nicely. Now you, you've talked to your customer. Let's go and implement this thing together. We'll help you, provide you with the resources, and you can then provide a solution that's very, very um, 
not only good for the end customer because you're providing them with a business outcome, it's also very, very good for you as, uh, as the reseller in this space because it's really a good place for the way technology gets delivered these days. ScanSource has made some strategic moves to prepare the partner to be successful in going to the customer and having these conversations. Mm-hmm. It's good to have you have you there for us in this space. Greg, thanks again for joining today. We're approaching the end of our time. I do want to say we had, a in a previous episode, had a conversation with Extreme Networks uh, and their Extreme Defender product. We talked some about um, how that secures uh, some of these devices. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you joining again today. Uh, Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, don't be afraid, only believe. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the His Call Technology Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast so you can stay up to date with today's business communication trends. To learn more about His Call solutions for your business needs or to listen to previous podcasts, visit us at our website, hiscall.com. Oh, 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 oh,